Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please head on over to Facebook. Give us a like over there as well. If you enjoy your podcasts of the video variety, you can uh, check out the Thundercast YouTube channel, which will be linked below in the description of the episode. If you'd like to watch us on video, which we surely do appreciate. Russ, it's a kind of a melancholy week. The football season, regular season has wrapped up. Uh, on a positive note, I might add, we've got uh, five things that we're going to talk about. We're going to take it a little bit around the herd since there's not a game to preview right this moment. Uh, we'll be finding out bowl destinations and stuff, I assume, probably throughout the weekend, early next week, something like that. So uh, let's get this bad boy rolling with a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Jason and Matt are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who practice throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. They can't protect you from bad drivers, but they will make sure you're treated fairly by the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. All right, Russ, let's, let's get this final episode of the football regular season going with five things that every herd fan needs to know this week. As usual, these are brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, baseball stadium site prep has begun. Mm-mm-mm. I know you can't see this on audio, but I'm fist pumping because Earth is moving. This is uh, this is awesome, right? We've been waiting a long time to get to just this point, and uh, now it's really going. Yeah, and I uh, I have seen and heard people as early as four or five days ago on social media or message boards saying, I'll believe it when I see it, or this is yet another announcement that isn't going to go anywhere. And I get it, man, you've heard it for a long time, but I I think everyone realized this one was a little bit different. Uh, You know, um, I, I feel like we would have already been had COVID not hit. We probably would have been already in a, a different phase of this. And uh, I will say, thankfully, things did change. So it's going to its new location mm-hmm. versus where it was going to go. We talked about that a lot on previous episodes, but anyway, yeah, dirt anyway. is moving. Dirt is moving. Yeah. You're right. That's, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like the, for all those, I need to see it type folks. What's there a lot of, and justifiably so, you know, they've, a lot of folks have been sold a bill of goods over the decades and didn't get anything for it. <laughs> so to actually see the earth moving, you know, you got to feel a little bit better about where it's at. We know that there are shakeups in this program, right? I mean, there's a coaching search underway. There's a lot going on. And if you hope to bring somebody in to be competitive in this really good baseball conference, you're going to have to be able to pitch that we're building a stadium, you know, now like that can't be an empty promise. Now, if you want to bring somebody in to try to make Marshall competitive in the Sunbelt conference, I mean, do we have to continually say like, it's about time, but it's here. I mean, it's here now. It's the, it's just going to get more exciting as we start seeing 
foundation laid and, and construction start to go up and you can start, start to get a visualization of what this thing's going to look like. It's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. So what you're going to see over there for anyone that hasn't seen big green scholarship foundation tweeted it out. It's probably on the Facebook as well. I believe I saw it over there, but uh, you're going to see some uh, large uh, articulated trucks, uh, which is a, a term that we use in the industry that I'm in. Uh, most people would just say, big dump trucks. Mm -hmm. uh, there are uh, some soil compactors over there, uh, some other machines, excavators, that sort of thing. So they're, they're moving dirt. They're flattening the ground. They're getting ready. You will see foundations going in very soon, but I think what you're going to have to see a lot of here is just um, a, a good month or so of drainage. I mean, mm -hmm. everything about this is going to have to be drainage. You want that on any site that you're on, but especially a playing surface for an athletic facility. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was blown away years ago when I read about Great American Ballpark and its drainage system and how many inches of rainfall it could withstand because just below the surface they had inches of gravel, inches of sand, you know, everything that they needed and, and water draining a certain way away from it and that sort of thing. So I, I feel like that's what you're going to see. A lot of people may not find that sexy. They may want to see like, you know, stands going up. You're just not going to see that for a while. You know, this <laughs> is going this is going to be a lo long process of doing drainage and site prep and that sort of thing before you see anything that you go, okay, that looks like a baseball stadium. If you've lived in Huntington through one rain season, per se, you know the, the need for drainage. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can literally boat down Fifth Avenue if it rains hard enough. It's it's. I think you don't have to sell that to anybody. The last thing I will say about this is remember, I think it was when they were building the, uh, the Chris Klein center. Didn't they have like a camera that looked over the, um, construction like the whole time so that yeah. you could always check in on a live feed and watch the progress being made. I think that would be cool. If there was somewhere that Marshall has the ability to stick a camera to do another live feed like that, that like, would be awesome. Like on the softball. Yeah, like right if, if if there's like a light pole there or something that has a yeah. good angle, that would be cool. So if somebody's listening to this that can make that happen, maybe that'd be cool for folks, you know, across the country and all around the wherever herd fans live to check in and say, man, I'd like to get a live look at what it looks like right now. That would be pretty neat. So I'm going to make. Go ahead. I was going to say it would make for a really kick ass like time lapse video at the end when it's yeah. all done. I, I'm going to see it up close and personal uh, for the duration of the project. Of course, I'll be calling on the contractors that are over mm -hmm. there and, and seeing if, you know, I have anything uh, that I can assist them with. Uh, so I'm looking forward to being over there and seeing the development of it uh, on a fan side, in addition to my, you know, daytime job side. So yeah, really exciting for me. It's sure. I bet it is. All right. So number two, uh, we have Saturday's basketball game versus the Ohio Bobcats. By the way, it's 5 p.m. on Saturday. It's a whiteout, so we need a bunch of people to go and wear white. Go ahead and start getting, you know, you, you wear a jacket of whatever color you want. You take it off when you get in there. You know, the, the cam is generally pretty warm. Uh, mm -hmm. wear, wear white, prepare now, start picking out your gear. If you're going to the basketball game, wear white, 
and a quick aside, we have been telling everyone to get the herd zone app and do the herd lights. I watched the the pregame. I again did not get to go. I had to take my kids somewhere yesterday and pick them up. Um, I saw maybe 15 to 20% of the crowd doing the herd lights. It would look amazing if even 50% did it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going, go ahead and get your white gear. Go ahead and get the herd lights on the herd zone app. If you're having trouble with it, tweet us, DM us. We've got a video we can send you. Shows you exactly where to go and how to do it. But they are thinking that there may be a sellout on Saturday. So you need to get your tickets now. They're giving away rally towels. I assume they are going to be white since it's a whiteout. Uh, If you get there early enough, the first, I don't know how many people, but get there early you will get a rally towel and you want to go ahead and get your tickets and plan ahead. And I know where you can get two if you're not going to buy them, uh, shoot for us to give you two tickets as we do to every Marshall home basketball game. And then be prepared. If you don't win them to just drop by the box office or get them at the game, but you might want to try to get them early. We may want to try to give our tickets away early and that way people can have a chance to go buy if they don't win. Yeah, I'm probably going to post um, uh, the contest tweet for that probably after we get done recording, just so it's up for a while. Yeah. And, and uh, I actually, while you were were you talking about herd lights, I was sifting back through our timeline and I found the tweet and I just now retweeted it. So it's back at the top of our timeline on okay. uh, how to find the herd, herd lights app, how to activate it, what to do, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, number one, it's free, right? Just do it. It's free. Yeah. Uh, and get your, you know, white, everybody's got a white herd t-shirt. If you don't have one, I'm sure you can pick one up for relatively cheaply. And if you don't have a white herd t-shirt, just wear a white shirt. Wear white. Yeah. Uh, let's get behind it. If this is going to be a sellout, they, there must be expecting a big crowd already. If they mm-hmm. were, if they're already talking about using the word sellout, they must be selling tickets quite, quite well already. And yeah, you'd be, be on the lookout for these tickets that we give away. Uh, this team is streaking right now, six wins in a row. I mean, dang, what else is there to do on a, you know, a non-football Saturday once basketball season's rolling around against a historic rival at the cam with a streaking basketball team? You want to be there? Yeah, so Ohio is expected to bring uh, quite a bit, and I guess their their uh, pre-sell to them went very well. So that's why they're expecting this could be a sellout. Um, I know – I. A lot of people are going to struggle with this. It's after Labor Day. Yes, you can still wear white. Just wear it, man. <laughs> You'll be. We're going to give you a pass this one time. You can wear I, wear white after Labor Day. It'll I don't be fine. Think that rule applies on game days in Huntington. I don't think that's a that's a thing. I think we passed a law in West Virginia that supersedes that you know kind of cult- cultural rule. So white white, it, white is acceptable on any Marshall game day at all. I can t- I can tell you that I am absolutely fearless, and I don't ever mind wearing white after Labor Day. So, pants too, white pants too. Oh, the whole deal, yeah, <laughs> top top to bottom. I hear you. Hat on down. <laughs> All right, number three, Marshall football top tier defense. Not exactly news, you may say, but listen to these. These are the top ten rankings. Twelve different stats where we are in the top ten. Uh, third down conversion percentage as a defense first in the nation, 23.4% is all we're allowing conversions on third down stop rate, 78%. 
good for second in the nation. ESPN's defensive efficiency metrics, fourth in the nation at 83.5. Turnovers created were tied for fifth with 25 turnovers. Run defense only giving up 89.8 yards a game, good for sixth in the nation. Passing efficiency defense, 107.49%, good for sixth in the nation. Yards per play, 4.55, seventh in the nation. Scoring defense were also seventh, giving up only 16.2 points per game. Interceptions, 15, that's tied for ninth. Sacks, 37, that's tied for ninth. Total defense, only 292.8 yards per game, 10th. And first down defense only gave up 182 first downs for the entire 12-game season, 10th in the nation. Now, I have one little caveat to this. Back up there on scoring defense where we're 16.2 points per game, that includes two uh, defensive touchdowns that I recall, it may have been a third, but I know that we gave up two. Uh, one was a pick six and one was a uh, scoop and score. Mm-hmm. We also gave up one um, kickoff return. Mm-hmm. I don't remember another one. So anyway, that's three touchdowns. 21 of those points were not scored against this defense. So if you tab that in and, I know that's not really how it goes. Everyone got dinged for those, but this defense was even better than it shows on paper. Yeah, and and also when you take into account how many times that an opposing offense was set up with a really short field. We saw that yes. a couple times. Nobody yep. could move the ball and they only got on the board because they, you know, got the ball at the 30 or something yeah. like that and only had to, you know, go 30 yards to get a touchdown. So this I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago or a week ago or something like I hope that herd fans are appreciating what we saw play out in real time instead of like five years from now going, man, that 2022 defense was awesome. Like appreciate it now as it's happening in front of your eyes, because you know, these, these is these stats, a lot of the 12 stats in the nationally ranked top 10. And a lot of those look, that's impact plays scoring, getting off the field. That's like the really, really important stuff, right? It's, it's one thing if, you know, you're giving up, yardage and you're in the top 10 and but if you're also giving up a bunch of points i mean geez if you can't get to the quarterback if you can't come up with turnovers or get stops then this is just a great effort and and some of these stats i mean gee man christmas top 10 top 10 in 12 different categories number one in anything is great i don't care what it is mm-hmm. that's just an amazing it's amazing season by these guys you know as as the season goes along and we talk about it not being just a you know, uh, a fluke that you had a good game, but at the end of a season and you come up for air and you're like, dang, look what we did. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. To me, I'm sure you're going to agree. Um, before this season, I would say the 1999 defense was the cream of the crop, best of the bunch. We've had some amazing defenses over the years, but that 1999 squad to me yeah. just, just did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they may have been usurped in that top ranking for me. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's it's definitely one and two right now between those two teams. 
I would have to go back and someone point out a season to me for me to go back and compare. Um, I know we've had some amazing seasons, but 99 and 2022 are now my one and two. And just because of the recency bias and how they dominated uh, some games, because we had a heck of an offense in 99 and we had some offensive struggles here, 2022 is easing over 99 for me right now. So it's a it's it's a different way to look at it, right? If you're just talking about dominant defenses to be just being a dominant defense, I think the ones that come to my mind the f- first are 99, 2014, and now 2022. Those are the probably the three in the last however many years it is. What 20 years, 23 years or whatever, 22 years. Uh but when you start talking about a defense being uh, the most important to that team, this one might be the one. Because like you said, 99 had no problem scoring points. Yeah. You know, it's like this defense had to carry this team until it found its way enough to start scoring points. Uh, they won games for us flat out. You know, they they did by just, just sheer dominating efforts. I mean, think about the dominating effort against James Madison. Yes, Santeo was out of that game, but think about that. It's Cam's first ever start. We were kind of, Wondering what we were going to see out of him. This was a pretty big away game for them. It was a, I think it was this wasn't even a sellout crowd up there. Yeah. So, but that defense went in and freaking dominated. Mm-hmm. I mean, dominated. And had it not been for a fluky first quarter where they got exposed on a few drives against Coastal, they dominate that game. Three points for the remaining three quarters of that game against a team that's now in the conference championship game. I mean, when you start talking about importance, 2014 had no problem scoring on offense. Their defense was great as well. But uh, this might be the number one defense in terms of importance to a particular team. Yeah, I, I would think that's fair to say. Uh, we also had, uh, this is before the move up to 1A, which is now FBS, but uh, that 96, 95, yeah. uh, 91 through 96, I mean, it was just, Crazy good defense, some all-time yeah. herd players, uh, maybe some of your better off or defensive linemen that you've ever had here. Um, not to take away from our current guys, but I mean, it, they were just. I would love to see some of those players playing today. You wouldn't like to see Billy Lyon running running with this herd team right now, man. Exactly, I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, so we have been blessed with some great defenses, and uh, that 2014 team they were a better scoring team than the 99 team. Yeah. So, you know, those three that you mentioned, definitely 2022 means a lot more to the overall team and its success than 99 and 2014. But man, there, there were just so many NFL players on the 99 team. Uh, They were just, it was just a ridiculous squad top to bottom. And it's a different world, right? Because there's no transfer portal. There's no, you know, instant uh, gratification, or I don't want to say instant gratification, like instant uh, improvement. You transfer, you have to set out a year, you know? So uh, unless you know you had to, yeah, you you had to sit. So it was a different world. So now there's the luxury of of the transfer portal and plugging some holes immediately and getting immediately better. But uh, still, I mean, it's no small tag. You can't take anything away from these guys. They dominated in year one in the Sunbelt Conference. And the the conference leaders, like Owen Porter, led in sacks this year. I mean, uh, Abraham was like first or tied for first or something like that with interceptions. I mean, this is 
they, they we had great individual performances that also came together as a cohesive defensive unit and dominated as a whole. This was really fun to watch all season long. And we've got one more to go. So I hope that most, if not all, of this unit decides to play. I hope all of our guys – I hope nobody opts out. I mean, I, I mean, I get it if you do. You know, I'm not trying to talk bad or anything, but I, for from a fan, from a fan, I would like to see a full complement of the guys that did this all year long do it one more time. Finish it. Finish this, yeah, what you yeah. started. Just, just finish. All right, number four, more good news, more facilities news. Gullickson Hall makeover continues, and it is expanding. What I mean from expanding is not Gullickson Hall is not expanding. The project inside Gullickson Hall is expanding. It was the uh, the courts, basically, mm-hmm. that, that in, entire practice facility inside there, which looks amazing, but you're going to see even more. There's going to be graphics put up on the walls, more stuff will be painted, more graphics will be put up. It's just going to look, I mean, it looks light years better right now, but wait until you see what it's going to look like here in about another three months. Uh, I would say you will have it done maybe even by the end of the year. Uh, Is this going to be like a, like a cam light type thing, you know, same kind of energetic vibe, but yeah, maybe even more so. Oh, Uh, okay. You know, uh, because everything will be so fresh there's there's parts of the cam you know just because of the age of it you know it's yeah, over yeah, yeah. it's around 40 years old now mm-hmm. uh you know it's got uh it, it is so ridiculously hard to try to scrape the paint off the ceiling and paint up there again you can do that in gold it's, it's yeah. already been done but the graphics that will be up and that sort of thing uh you know graphics have come a long way sure and, have and uh <laughs> they're but but the expansion part is now it's growing outward. So the hallways around there are going to get some makeovers, fresh paint, oh, good, good. Uh, different things. Uh, you know, it looks dated in there just as yeah. much as the gym inside looked dated. The hallway surrounding it, uh, every door, uh, every uh, every little nook and cranny that you can imagine in the surrounding hallways, it's going to look really nice. And for everyone that uh, j- this just little not a breaking news, but just a little sneak peek. We talk about things that really make Kelly green pop black does make the pel- the Kelly green pop. You're going to see some Kelly green popping in at mm-hmm. least one, one of those hallways. If that gives away a little bit of what's coming. Yeah. I think that's just an energetic type thing, man. I mean, as much as we love, I mean, I love the Kelly green and white combination. I love it. I mean, it's just great. That's I love it. Outside of four years, three years, really, of just being in high school where my school colors were blue and gold, I was green and white from kindergarten up through the graduation of college. So that's really literally ingrained into my blood. Mm-hmm. But nothing pops a, a Kelly green like the color black. So yeah. if you're spe- especially if you want to incorporate things like lightning bolts and, you know, just that stuff that we generally see like at the June and stuff, it just it just pops better. But I'll tell you, I got to talk about this because, you know, we on my I think it was my visit back in September. Uh, we went around Gullickson mm-hmm. and yeah, I just have the majority of my classes were in Gullickson and it hadn't changed a bit yeah. in 20 years. It still looked like a school from the 70s, you know. Yeah. So it was just in dire need of a facelift to freshen you, up. 
you could have tailgated a little too hard and woke up the next day and gone to Gullickson and thought you might've been late for a class. I mean, <laughs> it looked exactly the yeah, same. Yeah. It, so it is, it is going to be refreshing to go in there. It's long overdue. And this just goes to our current administration, not just with the athletic department, but Marshall as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, because this is not really, you know, we could, we cover some things that are not, strictly athletics on here when it pertains to our our school that we love sure you're gonna you're gonna see some stuff around uh twin towers on both uh buildings that's uh going to be happening here very soon uh some more graphics and other things uh going around there and if anything has needed an upgrade at least on the outside i know they've done a lot of work on the inside since i was a student and uh lived in towers but on the outside, you'll see a little bit of more beautification project going on there, too. And that that should uh, be in the spring. It'll be done. I mean, I'm not trying to toss shade here, but, you know, like things like pressure washing and paint, they're so cheap and they make such a big impact. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we have a, a dingy campus or anything. I'm just saying, like, those are such cheap things that just go such a long way in making things look new. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned how graphics have come a long way. That's another fairly cheap fix just to, to provide some some newness. Even if you're just replacing graphics with different graphics, it's still new pictures. It's still new images and new brighter colors. It just helps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm glad that there's attention being paid to that sort of stuff. You know, it's, uh, again, we're not, I'm not tossing shade here, but you know, you pay tuition, you go to a school. It's nice to have it uh, spruced up every now and again, other than, you know, planting flowers and stuff every spring or whatever they do that. They've always done a great job of making the campus look good like that, but it's just cool to have that sort of thing become a part of the repertoire, I'd say. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I admire is they have kept that brick look on everything that they've done, new uh, facilities on campus. Uh, as as much as uh, the engineering complex, I mean, you know, it's mostly brick, uh, matches across the street, the, uh, the rec center, all that stuff. But when they did the windows, you know, it had a, a green kind of mm-hmm. tint to the windows. If they could go and do that on some of these dated buildings and everything, imagine what that would look like for Twin Towers. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a little overkill, but I don't think it would be. You know, you've got those uh, old looking windows and air conditioning units right there and just a simple upgrade on all that. Yeah, it'd be a lot of money, but man, it would really make campus look even better wouldn't look wouldn't look dated at all yeah it would look a lot better i mean it would probably still you know have some age to it obviously but it would it would help tie the campus together right i mean we talk about brand cohesion with athletics same kind of thing with you know your academic facilities and and your academic side of the university just make the brand come together a little bit more a little tighter a little cleaner and you know it's it yeah it all costs everything costs money but Mm -hmm. in, in any 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 little project that's going to make it look better is probably going to help you know stand uh, stand aside from the rest of the city it's like man we really 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 care about making marshall look good yeah i'm for it i'm just for it i'm here for it all right number five let's talk all sunbelt conference honors this happened today actually mm-hmm. first team kaylin labron no surprise uh first team owen porter i would see, still say no surprise I got a little bit of a tidbit on that here in a minute and uh feel like you and I'll have a disagreement on it, but probably not too big a one. Uh, 
and rounding out our first team winners is Micah Abraham. Very well deserving as well. Yep. Second team, Stephen Gilmore made it. And then honorable mention, we had uh, Eli Neal, Andre Sam, Kobe Cumberlander, and Corey Gamage. Yeah, uh, one one big difference uh, we should say from folks that are listening and may not just have paid attention. Uh, one big difference between Conference USA and the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt Conference has a third team All Conference team, and then honorable mentions. This Conference USA didn't have that; they just had the first and second team, and then an honorable mention. So, uh, first of all, congratulations to all the guys that made very well deserving guys. There are some other guys that I thought might edge in there, uh, but ultimately you can't be too mad about how this turned out uh, based on you know how the team actually played and performed and what their strengths were and what their weaknesses were for a good part of the season. So you can't reward guys for having a good half of a season where other guys had great full seasons, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I don't want to. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to make that point about the differences in the two conferences now, so folks are aware of that. But where were you going to go? Where is our difference lie? Well, so I don't know. It's a major difference, but I know that you. Uh, have a not a soft spot but a really good uh thinking of defender carlton marshall yeah and and it is warranted yeah right um a lot of people bring up jason henderson with his crazy number of stats and that is warranted Mm -hmm. but to me it is owen porter and then a pretty distant second for defensive player of the year in the Sun Belt. It did not go that way. Mm-hmm. Carlton, Carlton Marshall, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, got Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take anything away from him. But when you look at the stats, you know, we bring up these impact plays and everything. They got some tackles. Now, it's mm-hmm. a lot of tackles. And mm-hmm. we saw Marshall, Carlton Marshall just absolutely dominate us being in on every tackle and everything. But Here's where my difference is. Jason Henderson had, I think, 128 assisted tackles. Right. So he was he was just in on it where someone else was also getting a tackle. You know, um, he had something like zero sacks or half a sack, maybe, and that was it. The rest of them were all tackles, and the majority of them were not solo. Um, but he's getting a lot of press over Owen Porter, who had nine and a half sacks, just absolutely dominated in just about every game, whether he was getting a sack or it was just they had to double team him so it allowed somebody else to get a sack or that allowed our linebackers or defensive backs to just go to town. Um, Owen Porter, to me, is by far the defensive player of the year in the Sun Belt, and no one can argue with me uh, and change my mind that someone that tallied a lot of assisted tackles is more deserving than someone that got nine and a half sacks and just totally took over more than one football game. Yeah. First of all, we do not disagree. I think that uh, the number of impact plays that Owen Porter created, as well as defensive touchdowns he was in on, mm-hmm. uh, outweigh, like, at what point does a sack, what what number of assisted tackles does one sack equate to yeah right i I think that's like where does that become even is it 10 does does 10 assisted tackles equal one sack when you're grading these type of things but you're talking about two completely different positions you're talking about two linebackers that have completely different responsibilities than a guy who's an edge rusher or uh or charged with setting the edge in the run game on defense all that kind of stuff so 
I think Owen Porter also, yeah, some folks will say, well, you're the Marshall guys. Of course you're going to say that. Well, no, because I have a great amount of respect for what Carlton Marshall did this season, did throughout his career. And I'm, I think it's awesome that now the career's leader in tackles is a Sunbelt player. I think that's amazing. And it proves that how great he has been for his entire career. To that point, I think this award was given to him as a culmination of his career, right? Because he didn't lead the conference in tackles. That was Old Dominion's Anderson. linebacker. Yep. So if that's the argument you're making, then why isn't Henderson the defensive player of the year? Okay. Uh, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but again, he didn't lead in that category either, but he's Sunbelt Conference defensive player of the year. I'm not going to get mad about it. Uh, I think it's it, it would have been a little – uh, I, I don't know that you want to be like co-defensive players of the year because then it really looks like, okay, you give the award to this guy because of his the career he's had, and it was great. But I think Owen Porter was the defensive player of the year too. I do. Yeah. Uh, what what he meant to this herd defense, the catalyst that he was, uh, the the just everything about his game. And, if, I mean, if we're really being honest about it, he's got the best celebration in college football. He so does. give him a vote for that too. But I'm not trying to be a homer here. I'm just trying to be like a, a, a fair guy. I have a great appreciation for Marshall and Henderson and the tackles that they did and the and the impact they made on their team. But as equally important is, you know, Porter had 50-some tackles from a defensive end position and also led the conference in sacks and had some defensive scores and an interception. And, I mean – to me, it's him. He, Owen Porter's defensive player. He's the Thundercast Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year. We'll say that. That's all that matters. It, it really yeah. is. And just to drive this point home, um, this is for all of NCAA, not the Sunbelt. Henderson out of Old Dominion and Marshall out of Troy were number one and number two in tackles. Not for the Sunbelt, for the entire NCAA. So I get it. That's, that's yeah. big. But Henderson in 12 games had 58 solo tackles and 128 assisted tackles. He had half a uh, sack and one pass deflection. That's it. No interceptions, no uh, solo sacks, no forced fumbles. He was just in on a bunch of tackles. Is he valuable to his team and his defense? Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. You know, but the, to me, it just does not compare. Marshall had a better uh, because he did have an interception and a forced fumble, and uh, he had half a sack and 112 tackles in 10 games. He was two less games than Henderson, and he just absolutely, you know, helped shut us down. But if a tackle is made after a 30-yard run, it goes down as a tackle. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make it better than a tackle that is – on a one yard gain. And that's why tackles to me have to be taken in context. And when you're assisting on 128, yeah, you're in on everything. You've got a great motor. I'd love to have that guy on our team in the middle linebacking crew, but that just does not mean I took over a game like Owen Porter, who by the way, did it on several occasions. Several. JMU, JMU was the, the most uh, celebrated of that with uh, his performance there. Really? He got four and a half sacks you know, um, just absolutely took over that game, dominated it. Without that performance, it may have been a totally different game. Um, I just, I cannot get behind us celebrating, not me and you, but 
awards being given on someone that was in on a lot of assisted tackles. Yeah. Carlton Marshall was great, but he's no Owen Porter. Yeah, uh, that just tells me that those guys, and again, I love what they what they do, but they are set up on defenses that say, hey, you go tackle the football. We'll take care of everything else, pass rushing, dropping back in coverage, all that kind of stuff. Your job is to find the football, tackle the football. That's it. And that's what they do, and they do it great, right? But Owen Porter has a scoop and score in game one, an interception in game two against Notre Dame. You know, famously three-and-a-half sacks, should have been four-and-a-half sacks against James Madison. Uh, he, taking over several games, it just – I don't I don't know. Uh, I'm, I don't want to <coughs> harp on this too long, but sure. I get what you're saying, and I'm a, I'm a, in agreement with you. I, I, just, I just think, uh, you know, it's not going to hurt his feelings, but – you know, he was he had a, a defensive performance for the ages this season. Uh, and yeah. uh it's pretty impressive. It's just it just sucks that it's not gonna a first team all Sun Belt conference doesn't do it justice. Mm-hmm. We we talked about it last point I want to make, talked about it before, but it reminded me so much of Jonathan Goddard in two thousand and four with uh with just absolutely taking over games and being such a presence in every game that he played. All right, that does it for our five things. That was a lot of discussion that we had this time. Um, you know, we uh, we feel passionate about all this stuff, so sometimes we like to discuss it a little bit more. But thanks again to Ignite Link for helping bring us five things every herd fan needs to know this week. Yeah, it was it was a really really good five things. I enjoy having things that we can talk about and expound on a little bit. It always isn't conducive to a short episode, but it sure is a hell of a lot of fun. And Hey, we don't have a game to, you know, preview this week because we don't know our bowl destination yet. There's a lot of things floating around out there, but we do have a senior day bowl, uh, game to talk about. So let's talk about that. Shall we? <clears throat> Georgia state came to Huntington and, you know, we talked about it in the preview of how they were a fairly, dangerous team they thought we thought they were a better team than their record had indicated and they came to town ready to play you know they had nothing to lose and everything to gain in this game and they had nothing holding them back from taking those chances and and taking those risks and seeing if they paid off and a lot of times they did we saw this team convert a lot of third downs that were uncharacteristic for Marshall to give up and we saw a lot of big pass plays um Jamari Thrash well, what a ball player dang he ended up with over 160 yards ended up leading uh at the end of the game there he ended up leading the Sunbelt Conference in receiving yards overtaking uh, Ollie Jennings just a ball player he didn't do it just against Marshall he did it all season long so uh ultimately it's a 28 to 23 win for Marshall on senior day not exactly the dominating performance that I was hoping to see, but hey, I'll take a dub. The dub is a dub, and they, it was it was a dominating enough performance. It took Marshall a while to get into the game to get things going. They spotted Georgia State ten points, and and they fought back, took the lead, and just kind of kept a stranglehold on the game long enough to win. Heard finish at eight and four on the regular season, five and three in the Sun Belt Conference third in the Sunbelt Conference East Division, had James Madison lost that game, but they throttled Coastal Carolina, the Grayson McCallus Coastal Carolina. Uh, then the herd would have been in second place, but it is what it is. That means that they end the season on a four-game, regular season, on a four-game winning streak and won five of their final six games. Let's stop right there. Let's talk about those two points right there, Russ. A four-game winning streak to end the season, Five of your final six are wins. 
That means in the first half of the season, the herd goes three and three with a huge win over number eight Notre Dame and a couple of FCS wins. The final six games of the season, they go five and one. And what we said from the preview of the season, it ain't going to get any easier after that, you know, midweek game. It's only going to get harder. And the herd posted a five and one record. Some teams underperformed. Some teams were better than we thought they were going to be, but still Marshall won. So let's just talk about that. How about ending eight and four when we were, what, three and three? trying to figure out if we could make enough noise to get a bowl and ending on a four-game winning streak and winning five of six. Let's talk about that. Well, so I'll take it a step further, three and three, and then going five and one uh, because that's a good break point because that's when we switch quarterbacks. That's great. And uh, I think that it was even more for me when we were four and four and we uh, we sat down and said this team has to finish three and one to get a bowl, and we were looking at what a daunting task that it was going mm-hmm. to be. Yep. And uh, we said, you know, two and two would be still very admirable against the the slate that we had to play and the the problems that we're facing and that sort of thing. Um, they went four and zero, oh, eight and four. Uh, when people were saying they won't reach a bowl. Mm-hmm. And we got a bowl plus extra and great momentum going in totally different team. In my opinion, uh, switching the quarterbacks, the offensive line got better, um, both in having a mobile quarterback behind them to help alleviate some of the issues that they were facing, but also getting better as a unit at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I can't remember the sacks that we gave up in this game, but going two. into the two. Okay. So going into uh, the five, the last three games, we had given up what three sacks in three games, or was two, it? Two, I mean, two sacks. It was two, two and three. Sacks. Zero, one and one. Yeah. Two sacks in three games. And then we give two up there. So the final four games, we give up four sacks. Yep. I'll take that. Huge turnaround. I'll take that all season long. If you can average one sack, giving up a game. Uh, so I love the maturation. We've talked about it all the time of what, uh, Fancher was able to do scrambling to get out of pressure, but at the same time, not just how easy would it be with his wheels to just say, I'm going to tuck it and run. And he didn't, he looked up the whole time, waited till the very last possible second to throw it away. Sometimes scrambled for some, uh, yardage to buy him some time and then threw a touchdown like he did uh in this game um light years ahead of what you would expect a true freshman even starting the whole year which he did not yeah he started the last half of the year so he's got one half of a red shirt freshman year and people were talking about him with all the potential in the world that he has it's yeah. just it, it's it's tremendous what we've been able to do and you got to give it to the coaches. Uh, they have taken a, an absolute hammer to the head uh, from social media and fans, even in the stadium, trying to boo calling for people's jobs, saying they're in over their heads. They did a great job keeping this team together, uh, improving this team as the year went on, which we've talked about has been a problem over the last several years, how we were great starting out and then we would fall off a cliff or regress to me, the coaches deserve it. The players deserve it. And the fans that have been here believing the whole time, or even cheering on in the face of defeat and saying, I'll still be here no matter what we all deserve it. 
This is why. This is why. All those times that it sounds hokey when I say you can't give up, you don't give mm -hmm. up because yeah. we've seen it too many times. How many times have you sat through it and you're like, this looks, this looks just overwhelmingly bad, but I'm yeah. not leaving. And then there's a turnaround and you either end up winning a game or you have a positive season or whatever. And it feels that much better because you never left. You never freaking gave up and cashed it in and said, I'll be back next season. This is why you don't give up. You're going to get your heart broken, but you're also going to come out on the good side of that feeling when things like this happen and you, and it goes right and they pull it together and, and it's a different team. These are examples of games only, not a season, but I feel like you can use these two famous games that we've participated in, even though there's more. These two really sell it for me in an analogy for this season and what we needed to do as fans, a fan base, the team itself, the 1999 Mac championship game yep. and the uh can I guess yeah I know you got it <laughs> 2001 G GMAC <laughs> yeah the GMAC bowl <laughs> where we're down 38 to 8 at halftime in the third quarter actually late in the already in the third quarter we're down 38 to 8 so it's not just at half well, I, th I thought we came out and scored right away in the third quarter. No, I think we went, if I'm, I could be wrong, but I think we went into halftime 30 to eight. They came out and scored and then we got the ball back and started going on a run. I think maybe see, I I'm, think. I'm thinking about it different that we're 38 and eight and how we started the game with the uh, tip ball interception, pick six, that sort of thing that we did the same thing coming out in the second <laughs> half that we just came out and just started. All right. Here's who we really are. Yeah. I mean, you could be right. I just, maybe I sensationalized that, you know, little bit in my head, but I don't, I don't know. I, K I KD said we were down by 50 with two minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were down by 50 with, uh, it was, it was a daunting task. Let's yeah. just say that. Let me look, go ahead. Uh, well, that that's my point is we've experienced this in games as fans. I mean, how oh, you're right. I'm how, sorry. I'm going to cut you off. I'm looking up the scoring of that GMAC bowl. 38 to 8 at halftime. We come out with, oh, it was, damn, it was immediately. Uh -huh. 14. Well, wait, who did it? Here's the, here's the good, here's an excellent trivia question. Who had the pick six to open the third quarter? Derricott. <laughs> Defensive line coach, Ralph Street. Oh, okay. How Got about it. that? <laughs> it's been too long since I've watched and, that game. Yeah, you no know shit. What, I thought we I thought we didn't score until you know what we should third. do. I, I'm going to call it right now, and that way, if anybody uh, decides to uh, to jump uh, the gun on us and do this, uh, we can at least say here's the timestamp of when Russ came up with it. The Thundercast is going to do a rewatch and allow everybody. We'll watch the game, and you and I will comment during the game. Ooh. And and you're going to do like Manning cast of the of the of bowl games. Even better, because no one prank calls me at 4 a.m. after I've been drafted in the NFL like I did uh, uh, Eli. So, <laughs> great story, by the way. But anyway, yeah. um, I say we rewatch that, man. And, That'd be uh, good. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be great content for the uh, for the YouTube channel. We could watch, you know, reaction. We could record reactions to games that we have. or That'd be awesome. I don't know where we'd get full-length games, but I'd be down for it. Well, it was uh, used to be on. I know the network's gone, but yes, classic, classic. Yeah, yeah, it was on there, and it was it, even that was abbreviated. It was. Know, we moved further it. ahead in the action and skipped three touchdowns, but yeah. stick right here with us. But anyway, 
I, I just think that to your point, never give up. Those yeah. two games are the epitome of never give up. As bad as it may look, never give up. And this season, at times, I I saw people say, "I'll never watch another game," which I yep. I lambasted, you know. Yep. And some of those people right now, I'm sure, are beating their chest to opposing team fans and saying, "Oh, we finished higher than you. We beat your team." And that's just the nature of it. I'm not that way. You're not that way. Yeah. Um, we were here the whole time for the dark. We were here for the light. We celebrate them both. <laughs> Dude, we sat in Jonesy Edwards Stadium during four win seasons, three win seasons, and and I mean it. it it just is what it is. Either you're going to stick around or you're not. And I'm yeah. a stick arounder. You know, I, I prefer to sit through the hard times because the great times are that much sweeter. And this yeah. is by no means a great time. This is not a championship team. This is, this is just a team that, that pulled together in the second half of the season and started to look really, 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 really good. Now look in fairness, in fairness, particularly in this game, we got to see, uh, in full swing, what we thought this season may look like with a Rasheen Ali and Kalen Laburn backfield, both of them go for a hundred yards in this game. And we're going to talk about stats here in a second, but this is why you can't really take too much away, even though Cam has been great. But if, if, if Columbia has that luxury at the beginning of the season, this might be a completely different team. Right. Because that was the that was the mindset. That was the game plan. We're going to have these this all uh, all American runner mm -hmm. and this backup that we think is going to do some fabulous things. And mm -hmm. and he turned out to do that. So if 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 Henry has this luxury of this unbelievably great running game yep. and all of these playmaking wide receivers that yep. he can live and die with the short pass. Yep. Marshall may be a better team. At, they, they might be a nine or ten win team. We don't know. I 100 percent believe that. But that's just not how the season played out. And it's yeah. wild to think if you start going backwards and you think, man, if Rasheen Ali doesn't get hurt, then Cam Fancher maybe doesn't ever come into the game at, in the sixth game and maybe doesn't have the opportunity to develop into the quarterback that he became. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't, you know, now that the quarterback we were only going to have for a year, we'd be answer, we'd be trying to answer these questions next spring. Well, now we know the answer to some of these questions. Sure. You know, coming out next year, it's just so wild to think about. But any way you want to look at it, eight and four is great versus where it was when it was four and four and we were trying to point to the wins to get to six, you know, and definitely to get to seven. But we did that. Now let's talk about the stats in this one. All right. Total yardage, 486 to 365 in favor of the herd. Time of possession, really tight. 30 minutes, 13 seconds for the herd. 29 minutes, 47 seconds for Georgia State. First downs, uh, edging a little bit in favor of the herd, 25 to 19 turnovers. It was a turnover-free game, 0-0. Zero, zero. So the herd getting three of the four indicators with the fourth, fourth being a push, and they win, like you would think, in a, excuse me, in a tight game. Cam Fancher, another great day, 18 of 28, 208 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 10 carries for 69 yards to the good, and only sacked twice. Look, Cam continues to miss a few throws here and there, but ultimately if you get 18 for 28 for 208 and two touches every week, you're probably going to be pretty happy, especially when you can tack on another 69 yards to the good on 10 carries. You're probably going to be happy with that effort. Rasheen Ali, 16 carries for 102 yards, one reception for five yards and a receiving touchdown. Kalen Laburn, the senior, closing out senior day in a – in a big way, 11 carries, eight, 100 yards even, two touchdowns on the ground, including that big 83-yard play. 
And I saw it in real, when I saw, I, I tweeted this and this is the truth. Some people will think I'm full of crap. As soon as I saw that safety start crashing the line, I thought, man, if they run to that side, this one's over. And luckily they ran to that side and it was, it was a foot race. And, I uh, yelled it out uh, right next to the, there were a couple people, you know, sitting next to me and everything. And I, just in their general direction, I just said touchdown. And I mean, we're on the 17, right? Yeah. And because if you looked at it from the overhead or the behind, you'll see I wasn't there to get that view, but later it just showed me everything that I saw in my head. You could have driven a bus right through yeah. that hole. And yeah. and when the safety, like you said, came down, he's got one guy to beat before he's back there in the backfield, uh, the defensive backfield, and he blew right by the guy. Sure did. We, we had great blocking. They sealed off their blocks, made the hole. He hit it. And in the open field, man, he's got he's got the breakaway. He sure did. Uh, that safety basically ran right past Laburn. I mean, yeah. they just made the bad defensive call. They were expecting a pass play. They were bringing the safety blitz. And it was well-timed had it been a pass play. Cam mm -hmm. would have had zero time. Zero time. Unfortunately, <laughs> for the Panthers, it was an 83-yard touchdown. The longest play from scrimmage for the Herd in the finale. Um I guess just outpacing Laburn's, what was it, 78-yard touchdown 78 early, yard. earlier yeah. in the season. Amazing yeah. job by Kalen Laburn. Corey Gamage, leader in the clubhouse from uh, receiving yards, four catches for 65 yards. Charles Montgomery, leader in receptions, five for 55 yards and a touchdown. All in all, this herd offense goes 278 rush yards, two 100-yard rushers. They went 7 of 15 on third down, and but the big one, the big one is no turnovers on the day. No turnovers on the day. Defensively, um, Sam Burton's 10 total tackles, four solo, one sack, a tackle for loss, and two quarterback hurries. Owen Porter, another great day, SBC defensive, Thundercast defensive player of the year. Nine tackles, two solo, one sack, and two tackles for loss. Eli Neal, eight tackles, two solo, one sack, and three tackles for loss. Kobe Cumberlander, the senior, the senior. Great, great way to close out senior day. Seven total tackles, five of those solo, three sacks, and three tackles for loss for Kobe Standing ovation, sir. Way to put an exclamation point at the end of that home career for the herd. Impact plays are all sacks, all sacks. Uh, by the aforementioned Sam Burton, Owen Porter, Eli Neal, and times three for Kobe Cumberlander. Add on an additional sack for Charlie Gray, giving the herd a total of seven on the day. This uh, herd defense allowed just 62 rush yards on 42 attempts to the Sun Belt Conference's number one rushing team. They allowed, they did allow over 300 yards passing to Granger, uh, most of which to the tune of over 160 went to Jamari Thrash. We talked about those guys and the plays they made. Uh, very impressive individual efforts for those guys. Ultimately, it just wasn't enough to get the, the win for the Panthers. This defense bent, but they didn't break. They gave up a fair, a fair amount of yards, some big conver conversions that we didn't think were uh, were going to happen. Got got beat up a little bit in the past game, but, man, that rush defense came to play against this team. Um, special teams-wise, Reese Verhoff goes 0 of 2 on field goals, and then uh, you, you texted me this during the game, but I wasn't sure. Uh, sure enough, different kicker kicking extra points. Sean Meisler, 0 of 0 on field goes 4 of 4 on the extra points, though. Meisler's first action of 2022. He's a five foot nine, 166 pound freshman from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Uh, and then John McConnell with four punts on the day for a 39.3 yard average, landing two inside the 20 with a long of 45. Now, I've got some bad news for you here. Uh, somebody 
it was either Cooper or Jennifer shredded my previous game notes. <laughs> so I don't know my keys to revisit those. So I looked all over. I think they're in the shredder. <laughs> I, I've got mine. Uh, mine I'll just touch on real quick. Number one was out Granger Granger. And I think that we did that. Uh, he, he did with uh, thrash throw for a lot of yards. Uh, don't want to take away his, uh, um, accomplishments but we got to him seven times and he rushed 19 times for a total of after the uh loss on the sacks 16 yards 0.8 yards per carry he was their leading rusher on the season coming in so mm-hmm. i feel like fancher going for uh 69 yards uh getting two touchdowns to granger's one we out grangered granger Number I think, two, I think Cam individually just did that. So yes, as a team for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, that was what I was meaning was that Cam was going to out Granger Granger. Our defense getting to him, Cam didn't allow the defense to get to him uh, the way we got to Granger. Um, the number two was to maintain that need to win because we were already bowl eligible and everything. I feel like they faced as much adversity as they could to miss field goals, uh, yep. giving up a 55 yard uh, play to the tight end on the first play of the game, yep. uh, putting them in field position, uh, getting some stupid penalties that put us out of field position, which we'll talk more about later. Um, I feel like they did maintain that need to win and they came out and once it got energetic, they got the crowd into it. They got even more energetic. And we'll talk more about that later. Uh, number three was to win on third and fourth down. It was nearly a push. They went seven for 16. We went seven for 15. They went one for two. We went one for two. So I'm going to say we won because it took us one less time to get seven conversions on third <laughs> down. So tick, tick, tick. We won all three of my keys to victory. Yeah, and I remember some of mine now that you know, I had the same thing about being, you know, out Granger and Granger. I said we needed to play sound pass defense, and we, you know, 300 yard passer. I don't know that I would call that unsound, but it surely wasn't uh, what I was expecting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember too many, I don't remember any others, but I want to talk about the one that you said about the need to win or the desire to stay winning. I think this was one of those games where Marshall could have packed it in because they were already going to be bowl eligible. Um, They went down 10 to nothing early and then had two missed field goals early to keep them off the board. And it wasn't until Laburn went 83 yards till Marshall got on the board. And that was the catalyst. Once that happened, boom, it was like, all right, game on. Mm-hmm. So it, it it was it was um it was impressive to to see them over overcome that adversity there you know because we'd gone down early in games and not been able to claw back so uh, and another point I want to talk about your winning third and fourth down yeah hell yeah I'll say Marshall won fourth down particularly the one that we got was a fourth and goal from the one for a touchdown so that was definitely um, a, a big plus for the herd so yeah I and think it, they. One that we did not uh, allow them to get was on their own twenty-five yard line or twenty-eight yard line. Oh now, yeah, we didn't get to we didn't get to uh, jump on that because of uh, a silly penalty. But uh, still, 
that was a huge one. So yeah. our huge uh, gain on fourth grant, uh, fourth down, like you mentioned, to get the touchdown, and our huge stop of them should have put us for at least a field goal, but probably a touchdown. Those uh, those were big. So yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to grade, shall we? Let's talk yep. about Cam Fancher. What do you got for Cam in the uh, regular season finale at home one senior day? I have an A plus for him. I don't care that he threw high on a couple of times because again, he's a red shirt freshman. He had two touchdowns, no interceptions, over 200 yards passing, uh, at least three drops where he hit the guys right in the hands. So could have had an even bigger day, uh, ran for 69 yards on only 10, uh, rushes. Also included in that, I believe, is uh, the kneel down at the end of the game because if yeah. I'm not mistaken, he was above 70 uh, going in, and I thought, man, it's 70 some yards. Um, so I'm a plus, man. What more can you ask? I mean, you could nitpick and say, well, he threw it high on a couple of times, or you know, he threw it out of bounds two times in a row, uh, throwing the ball high. You could say that those drops, he could have hit them better in stride. He threw some of the most beautiful, putting them only where our guys could catch them passes that you're going to be able to see. He's got touch. He's got poise in the pocket. He's got wheels. A-plus effort from Mr. Fancher. So let me just boil it down to one pass in particular. A month ago, that pass, the five-yard touch pass to Ali is probably an incompletion. Yeah. Probably. That's how that his game has evolved a little bit more to where the touch is becoming a little more uh, – little nicer so we can we we can nitpick if you want i mean i would give this a solid a performance uh because there's you know always a little bit more room for improvement but at the end of the day you got two touchdowns no turnovers that's Mm -hmm. it i don't care if you've got if you're two for four with two yards if you've got two touchdowns and no interceptions you're probably doing enough right somewhere else to get the to win the game uh Excellent way to close out the season for this guy. I think the sky's the limit as we talk about bowl preparation, having essentially another spring ball season to in bowl preps and then a bowl game. I mean, this could be this could be something something special brewing here if he continues this trajectory. What do you got for the offense as a whole? I'm going to go A plus again and again. It's nitpicking. We could have ran right all over top of them, but we got 278 yards on the ground, over 200. Uh, in the air, 478 overall. We had two rushers get 100 yards. That's the third time this season. Fancher, again, goes for 69. So we rushed for 6.8 yards every time we rushed the ball, and that includes the kneel down and the sack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Charles Montgomery, a wide receiver on that end around where uh, a block was missed. Otherwise, that would have been a um, – Either a definitely a first down, I think, because he had wide open field in front of him. 6.8 yards per carry. We had 9.1 from Labron, 6.9 from Fancher, 6.4 from Ali, and then only two carries. Uh, Ethan Payne, two carries, nine yards, 4.5 per carry for him. Even the backup, backup that came in was churning for yards against this team. Uh, a plus all around, man. Yeah, it's a really good all-around effort, and and still we didn't clip that thirty-point plateau. A couple missed field goals kept that from happening, but this was a really solid performance, and and I just can't speak enough about uh, this. This is, is a better Georgia State team than their record indicates. They lost a lot of close games, and going into this, 
you know, our buddy Trace and I, we had a little back and forth, and he made that point about them, you know, losing uh, tight games. And I said, I think that's a defining point between these two teams. We're winning those close games. They're losing those close games. And this one proved to be that way again. Another loss for Georgia State by less than a touchdown. I have to I have to switch. I said A plus. I'm gonna go down to A minus. Uh we could have put up those points uh not just from the missed field goals, but our penalties taking us out of getting first downs or being in field goal range or being in it's fourth down, let's go for it range instead of we need to punt now. Uh silly penalties that took us from an A plus to an A minus. That's the only thing. Fair enough. Let's see. Uh, defensively, for the herd here in the uh, for senior day, I'm going to go with an A. Um, even the the big plays. I mean, we're talking about one receiver, and it takes a quarterback, it takes a receiver, it takes the the guys to block for him to do that. But one receiver basically lit us up, and he lit up pretty much everybody this year to the tune of 1,100 some yards. But uh, that was it. We held them to 62 yards rushing, and we sacked them seven times. And it doesn't even look nearly as bad if that first design play, which was an excellent play call and and a perfection to that tight end for 55 yards, we're looking at a different score. We're looking at a different game, and the stats don't look anywhere near as bad, even with Thrash going off. So, solid A. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you take 55 yards off the board, and even if it's a 15-yard completion, you're taking, you know, 40 yards off of that total, and you're down under 260 or 270, and uh, they're not ne- they're not immediately in scoring position type mm-hmm. deal. They had a couple of big plays, a couple of, like I said, third and long conversions that I was like, man, they're really kind of thriving on third down, and this is not what the herd has done all year. So that's right. kind of concerning, but it didn't matter. didn't matter. You know, and and I can say that because it didn't matter. I'm not going to mm-hmm. hang my hat on every, you know, third down conversion. It's it it's a bummer. I'd like to see him get off the field, but we saw him get off the field so much this year that not you know that failing to get off the field here and there and it still being inconsequential doesn't matter. This is a great all around defensive effort. I mean, gee, many Christmas you held the number one rushing team in the Sun Belt to under 65 yards as a team. As a team, and we talked about how many guys they had individually that were great runners that had great totals, and we shut them all down, all of them down. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're going to give up some big plays in the pass game because you're loading up to stop this vaunted rushing attack for the Georgia State Panthers, and they did that. Uh, This is a great all-around effort, and then just toss seven sacks on top of that? That's the cherry on top. This is a great effort today. What do you got for the special teams? D, we can't miss field goals. We missed two of them. Both were plenty long enough, just missed wide left. Uh, don't know if there was some kind of physical issue or mental issue with uh, with him, but as you mentioned, we went to a backup to do the extra points, and I think he handled the majority of the kickoff duties, but kickoffs were all high and short, and luckily a lot of those were fair catches, but we could have really given them a much better uh, starting field position with those shorter kickoffs. Uh, so D. Yeah, it was, it was not ideal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
starting the game out like that, missing one, it's a little deflating, missing two in a row, moving the ball right back down the field and missing a second. It ha- it changes your decision-making as a coach for the remainder of that game. Mm-hmm. And we saw that come into play. You know, we went for it a couple of times and, and um, you know, tried to make some plays or, or you just say, well, you know, we're, we're going to have to try to get in the end zone here. I don't feel good. Or we have to punt in a situation mm-hmm. to where it's just kind of in that no man's land that you might try for a long field goal. It's just unfortunate. Reese has had a really good year. Mm-hmm. As a he's true bat- freshman. He's battling, you know, and it it might sound like we make excuses from time to time, but, dude, I can't kick a freaking 15-yard field goal. So who the hell am I to send here and say, you know, you need to do better? I mean, he's a kicker by trade. He, when something's wrong, they're going to work to fix it, right? So he's a true freshman kid. At this point, you can't really say that because it's, the whole season has gone by. So essentially you're a sophomore, but still uh, – he had a great year considering, yeah. you know, we had serious question marks surrounding the kicker yeah. in the preseason. We didn't know who it was going to be. We had yeah. an idea, but we got a solid performance from this young man in, in the, in the first season. And again, the missed field goals while deflating in real time, when you go back and look at the game, it's inconsequential. Marshall gets a win. Doesn't matter. You know, doesn't matter. Uh, coaching effort for the finale against Georgia state. I'm going to I'm going to use a lot of leeway here and give them an A plus and I'm going to expand on that by saying in this game I don't feel like they deserved an A plus but because of finishing four wins uh in a row five of the last six getting us to an 8 and 4 record keeping control of the team everything that I said earlier about them it was kind of a microcosm in this game as well. We started out 10, nothing that we were in the hole. We had, uh, opportunities missed by, uh, uh, missed field goals. We had, uh, holding penalties, personal foul penalties, things like that. False starts that took us out of going for the first down, getting the first down, being out of field goal range. Everything seemed to be going wrong. And, it looked like we were going to have a a loss on our hands. And just like what they did for the season, they did in this game. And they kept the team there and just dominated from there forward. So A-plus because of that. I I can never – I don't think – I mean, there will probably be exceptions to this, but it's hard for me to give an A-plus to, um, you know, a staff. And it's probably unfair, but – I understand though. Anytime you you're just not out dominating both sides of the ball, and it's just ugly sure. against a good team. And I don't mean like you know, no offense, Norfolk State, but dominated that team. Yeah. If, but if you dominate like App State in that same fashion, fifty-five to nothing, and that's an A plus or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the freaking score was. This was a great effort, and I re- and I really think it's a deserving of a B plus A minus effort because of the adjustments that were made in real time. You're missing kicks. you got to change the way you play the game. You're still moving the ball. I, f- I feel like these guys are like, well, we're moving the ball. We just need to get it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like we're that they were at, from the viewpoint like, well, we're just really stagnant. We can't get anything going. They were moving the ball. It took you know the best player to make a big play to jumpstart the offense, and that's mm-hmm. what happened. You saw your best player make the longest play of the season and jumpstart, ignite that crowd, got everything going, and from then it was just kind of on. You know, it was like new game, let's roll. So it was still an overall good effort, uh, but, I, you know, I just can't 
give them an A plus just on sheer principle. You know, well, that's all. I had I had to qualify mine, and like yeah. I said, it's a stretch to do that. But uh, it's because of the adversity we had early in the game is the same to me. The adversity we had on the season, it's almost like Marshall Carlton Marshall getting that uh, award as we talked about earlier. That's why I'm giving them the A plus. They deserve it for the entire season and and keeping us how we were. Okay, so how about the the final grade for the regular season for this Joan C. Edwards fans and the herd fan base? One number I'm going to throw out there, which is always interesting to me in the home finale. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, the home finale is almost like the home opener. Like the home opener is your first chance to see the herd. Everybody's really excited about it. The home finale should be just the same energy. It's like my last chance to get out and see the herd in 2022. They've done all this stuff. And you have the luxury of saying, look what all they've done this year. Uh, they beat Notre Dame. It's a historic season, top tier defense, and uh, you know, leading rusher in the Sun Belt, a brand new quarterback's tearing it up. And 17,427 fans turned out to that game. That's always interesting to me that 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 number trickles off toward. And it was a great day. We did Thundercast Live. I was wearing a freaking hoodie up here in my office thinking you were going to be like bundled up. <laughs> and it was a great day. You had sun shining and everything. There was like zero reason not to be out at that game. So I'm not trying to set you up for a bad grade. I'm just tossing some things out there. What do you got for the fans? It's a C. And uh, the fans that showed up weren't loud with We Are Marshall until we were already back in the game and dominating and that sort of thing. And to me, when you're down, that's when we need the fans to try to energize. And I heard a lot of people early in the game shouting stuff about Huff over play calls. Mm -hmm. One, he's not calling those plays. I don't at some of these people that I just don't get where they get their information. <laughs> uh I don't get where they get their knowledge of the game. Uh I I don't care if I told this, you know me, I'll tell it to their face like I'm sorry, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um like the guy that was saying that Pennington was uh, put Pennington in. I don't know why they won't put Pennington in on the James Madison trip. And I said, <laughs> well, sir, he was not on the flight. So that's <laughs> probably why he's not in the game at this point amongst many others. But um, so anyway, the fans that were there sat on their hands for a while. The fans that were there were shouting when we were down Um don't do that. I mean, I get it, man. I, I want perfection. I want them to dominate. I want us to go 12 and 0 and get the New Year's New Year's Six Bowl. I want all of that stuff. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I give up or boo, you these this team is horrible. I'm not going to do that just because we're down, you know? And I feel like a lot of people didn't do the homework on who we were playing thinking, you know, just going by the record and that's all they needed to see when they're like, Micah Abraham's getting torn up out there. Well, no, if you go back and watch the game, he saved a touchdown with an amazing uh, uh, yeah. pass deflection in the sure end zone. Did. And he's going up against a guy that finished with 1,100 yards. It's not like some rookie was out there, you know, getting – and he Abraham wasn't the only person on him. You know, they switched off. Gilmore was on him sometimes. And again, we knew that that guy was a threat. We talked about it, you know? So to me, there were some really good fans there and some people that were appreciating what they could see and all that, but we still have a lot of people that are ready to say, I told you so 
at the first drop of anything going wrong. I just can't get behind that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I continually say fans can be the fan they want to be. That's sure they care. can you do whatever yeah. the hell you want to do. But if if you choose to be the naysayer all the time, man, that is not a world I want to live in. You know, yeah. I, I don't mind calling it out when I see it, and it's like sure. bad. Yeah, but I choose to be supportive. I like to see our guys thrive, I, and I'm also willing to let the kinks work out. You know, you, not every game you start out hot and everything's clicking. Sometimes you have to find your way. And like I said earlier, we're moving the ball. We miss field goals. What do you want? Yeah. You know, what, what and, do you want? And do you think that Reese Verhoff didn't feel worse than anyone in that stadium? Of course. The, of course. Missing, missing two field goals. Of course. So, so why try to beat him up about it? You know, because look at what he did uh, at, was it James Madison? You know, the, where he had such a big game and everything. Uh, four for five, I think. Uh, I mean, just maybe it's even four for four, but I, I just don't get it, man. You know, these players are out there busting their humps for our enjoyment and our alma mater that we love so much, and they are not out there trying to lose. They're not out there trying to get a penalty. So, yeah, I think that if you're not doing well enough and you need to be replaced, that's just part of the game. But me as a fan, I'm not going to be out there celebrating and telling someone they suck. I just, I don't get it. I mean, I choose to be uplifting, right? Like show uh -huh. some support to the kid because he's struggling and he needs to know he's actually got fans behind him. Right. You're like, Hey, it's It's cool, man. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool. You will we'll, we'll be all right. But I don't, I don't care. I don't, I'm not here to, I'm not here to like tell people how to be a fan. I know you're not either, mm -hmm. uh, but we see a lot of quick reactions when things go wrong and not enough reaction when things go right. You know, that that's all. So it'd be nice if you even that out, if folks would even that out, come with the same energy of positivity that you come with negativity, just let it even out. You know, that's all. And I, I think you will find that your experience becomes more enjoyable when you're like, Hey, this is actually fun. Like, yeah. I really like to see Cumberlander come around the edge and flatten the quarterback. That's awesome. <laughs> how about, oh, then one thing we didn't even talk about. How about the freaking three consecutive plays with sacks on Georgia State? How about that? That well, doesn't happen very often. That was awesome. I actually was going to bring that up uh, in a separate thing, but uh, that and this other thing, when Ali went in, this is our second series and his first of the of the game. We ended up being third and five. The first two were just kind of ho-hum kind of plays or whatever. And then from that point forward, four plays in a row, four first downs, moved the ball 50 to 60 yards down the field, totally flipped it. And only, you know, right after that, we got uh, uh, some penalties, false start, that sort of thing. And that's when it slowed everything down again. But the you just saw when Ali came in and the capability of what this team could do because it wasn't just him running for the first downs it was passing for first downs mm -hmm. it it was it was just like the well-oiled machine and then you saw to a, an nth degree the well-oiled machine of this defense where i turned to my wife and said there's no way that they stop us from getting a third sack in a row after, <laughs> after getting the first two. I mean, there was nothing that was going to stop them. It was yeah. a foregone conclusion. We were getting that sack and you could see Cumberlander. I don't know if you could see on the, on the TV, he was so energetic, 
someone came up to congratulate him as he's coming off the field and he violently pushed them, his own player, you know, who's coming <laughs> because he was so jacked up and he spiked his helmet so hard. I don't see how that helmet didn't shatter. I'm talking, he, he was getting the fans into it. The fans were electric. Nothing was going to stop that man on that third down after we got two sacks in a row. <laughs> and I was there for it. I, yeah. I knew there was nothing. I didn't know that it was going to be Cumberlander, but I knew someone was going through there because you just, you could not stop them at that point. Yeah, that was amazing. And talking about consecutive and this flipped that game, we went touchdown. Their three plays were three straight sacks. Then we drive down for a touchdown again on a short field from the 39 yard. That is how you take over a football game. Yeah, that's exactly. It's a microcosm of the season right there. You know, you get a score, the defense gets you the ball right back. You go back and and that's what you over finally overcome the adversity, take the lead and and then it's yours. Right. So that was that was really, really cool. You just don't see that very often. All right. Let's breeze through these uh, couple of MVPs and then we got some uh, other stuff to talk about. Who's your offensive MVP for the week? <laughs> I got I got to <laughs> I got to split it man. I got to split it with Ali, Fancher and uh uh Labron. I've got yeah. the, Labron kicked it all off with the 83-yard run. Ali was running like a maniac just punishing people, dragging people. At one time I think he had five or six hanging off of him and you could just see that he's just itching to come back. He wanted a rushing touchdown so bad. Yeah, he so bad. He, he got one through the air. They put him back in. Uh, and I feel like he got it. And then we got, you know, that uh, false start or whatever it was, you know, uh, they, uh, they just ran all over that team. And we talked about all three of them, what they did. I got to split it between the three of them. Got to, it was finally great to see it all in, in, in full swing. It was pretty cool. Defensive MVP. Who you got? <laughs> <laughs> I got to go with Cumberlander, but. I mean, you know, split it five ways maybe with what they were doing. <laughs> uh, but uh, Cumberlander just with he he just put on a performance there yeah. uh, at, at one point. So Cumberlander, a three sack performance on Senior Day when you're a senior, it just kind of is something a little special. You can't take away anything from Sam Burton with a ten tackle performance, Owen Porter yeah. with nine tackles and a sack himself. I mean, Eli, Eli Neal had a great game. Can't do it, but three sacks is just awesome, and and so good for Kobe to. He's been so good for so long, and it's finally glad. I'm finally glad to see this that dot on the exclamation point right in the in the finale at home on Senior Day. That was and, so good. And as I said, Micah Abraham. I don't care that he was one of the people that was on Jamari Thrash. I feel like you can contain him, and we. We, he got one touchdown. He was wide open in the back of the end zone. But, you know, he could have gotten us for three the way mm -hmm. he was he was doing. And Abraham had a massive pass deflection to swat away a, a probable touchdown. So just yeah, – That was a big-time play. Yeah. Top to the bottom performance on the defense all around. All right, so here's the here's the one, right? Special teams had a terrible grade, um, but far below average. So who's the special teams MVP in this one? Meisler, I guess, because uh, he stepped in for the first time. Uh, Got to have some nerves doing that. It, it, you know, how 
how likely would it have been that he had missed all four? Probably not because he wouldn't have had a chance to kick four because he probably wouldn't have been back out there. But, you know, those four, we won by five, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I I mean, in a hard press situation, I'll pick him. And that's kind of fair. First thrust into action, first game of the year, there's got to be some nerves there. And you're thinking, well, they came to me because the kicking game isn't working. I better make it work. You know, and, and, respectfully John McConnell had a pretty good day only four punts but he landed two inside the 20 so he did his normal type of stuff that we're used to seeing from him but uh I think that's a fair point Mosler's a good pick because it's you know the the little added pressure of being like all right kid you're up go get us some points yeah you know kind of deal but pretty awesome a uh, great way to close out the season eight and four we await bowl selections there's a lot floating out there in a lot of places uh some po- some people really really want to go to myrtle beach i really really want marshall to come to orlando and go to the cure bowl because i'll be able to go to that one that would be great uh but you know i'm not hating wherever they go they i'm happy for it just uh we'll wait and see i'm sure we'll find out after um conference championship games are being played marshall should be no worse than the sunbelt number five team if, if can james madison go to a bowl game no, they, they can't. So stupid. they should be. So they should be no worse than the number fourteen. Yeah, and it's stupid. We've talked about it before, yeah. but I mean, whatever. Especially in a season where they need five win teams to go to bowl games. Yeah, it should be like, all right, James Madison's going. You know, so, I mean, we go to a five win team. Briefly, we've talked about this before, but I mean, they're basically like, well, we can't allow you to go into a bowl because it's your transition year and everything, like. What are they not ready for it? They went. They just put forty-seven yeah. on Coastal Carolina, who's playing in the conference who's championship, playing in the championship game, and wouldn't be playing in the championship game if they would allow James Madison to play in the yeah. championship game. Yeah, you know. So whatever it is, what it is. Yeah. So we should be no worse than the fourth team, which should give us a fair um, landing spot. You know? Yeah. All right, that's it. That's all we got. Let's take it around the herd. All right. Uh, sad news, men's soccer. We lost one to nothing to, uh, um, Indiana and that knocked us out. We made it to the sweet 16, but made it no further. Season is over. The career for, uh, some of our all timers is over. Uh, but heck of an effort from the team four straight times that we've made it to the, the tournament, uh, made it to the sweet sweet 16 for the second time. Lost to a very good Indiana team. Uh, great season, you know. Yep, great season. It, there's a there's a lot to be um, excited about. I mean, first of all, you can't talk about the future without talking about what we've been witness to these past mm-hmm. several years. I mean, uh, Milo Yosef playing his last game with the herd, integral part of all the successes that Marshall has had since he's been here. Oliver Simla, uh, same uh, way. Right. Oliver Simla. I mean, you don't win games without a quality goalkeeper and he is quality. Doesn't sum it up. You know, mm-hmm. he's a great goalkeeper, uh, probably going to go down as one of the all time greats to ever play for herd soccer. So there is a lot to try to replicate, try to replace. We talked about, a transfer from Coastal Carolina coming in, which should help offset some of that scoring uh, that will be leaving with Yosef. And uh, we're talking about Simla and, and the goalkeeper. Um, Marshall, you know, signed a goalkeeper just the other day, Carson Assad, 
from Youngstown, Ohio. I don't know that he will come in and be your day one starter, but uh, that's an area of need. And they went out and got him a great one. So, you know, the rebuild, the reload, I'm going to call it a reload. The reload is in full swing, but great run. One of the top 16 teams in the country again, this Marshall Thundering Herd. Um, both Sunbelt teams, them and the University of Kentucky, who was dominant all year, not just in the Sunbelt, but nationally. Also an early exit from the tournament just speaks to how how hard it is to win. When yeah. you're expected to win, it's hard to just win. Mm-hmm. These teams get really good really quick when you get into the NCAA tournament, and sometimes it only takes one, and this mm-hmm. time it only took one. Luckily, it, our one was to a perennial powerhouse, Indiana, so it takes a little bit of the sting away, you know, but uh, – Sucks to see him go. And I tell you, man, that game, I am not saying that this caused the loss. I'm just saying this as an observation. That was one of the most loosely called, you know, usually it's a tight, you know, every little thing is a foul. It seems like you had to hit somebody with a tack hammer to get a foul in this game. And that was on both sides. You know, they allowed the two teams to both be physical and to play and, uh, Made it for an enjoyable game. Uh, you know, not a lot of stoppages here and there, but hated to see us come up uh, on the wrong end. Uh, switch on on over to women's basketball. They were in that uh, MTE multi-team event down in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, they won the first two, but uh, the loss of the last game, uh, 48-43 to Norfolk State. Uh, then... On Sunday, I think it was, they uh, had a great comeback, feverish comeback. They were down mm-hmm. at one point, 21 points. They hit uh, five three-pointers in the last quarter. They shaved it down uh, to as low as four. And in the last minute or closing seconds, uh, they lost 77 to 72, lost by five to a very good Duquesne team. Uh, they host Davis and Elkins this Sunday at 1 p.m. So going back to that uh, Norfolk State game, who, by the way, they are currently 6-1. and one. This is a really right. good team. Yeah. Uh, the, the herd was rolling there a little ways. They've dropped their last two, but, you know, we're looking, trying to get things right. We'll probably have a really good shot against Davis and Elkins coming up. But going back to that Norfolk State game, 48-43, to 43, so not a lot of offensive output, but Rashala Scott continues the scoring in a feverish fashion. 17 of the herd's 43 points. Uh, scored in that one. This seems like they're a very hot and cold team in that game against Norfolk uh, State. Only 34% shooting from the floor. So when they're on, they're on. When they're not on, they're not on. And uh, I don't know, you know, hopefully that kind of works its way out as we go along. But Rashala Scott, game in and game out, just putting up points, scoring. If they're, I don't think we're going to have to worry about her going cold she She scores she she did it in duquesne too her and uh abby beeman both had 23 they had 46 of our 72 points between the two of them um just uh again we, we we've talked about all the newcomers that are coming here and six games into the season to say we're three and three and we lost to purdue and then uh, a very good Duquesne team with a great record and a very good uh, Norfolk State team with a good record. Mm-hmm. And close. All three of the losses have been close. They were in danger of being blown out here. They were in danger of uh, – uh, well, no, they were – They were. I don't think they were in danger. Purdue, they pulled away late. Purdue did, if I yeah, remember du- correctly. Duquesne was up big and Marshall came yeah. back. Yeah, but Purdue, uh, it was close until the very end. 
if I remember. Mm-hmm. So anyway, a great game uh, in their three losses to some really good teams. So I think this is a drastically improved team. And for them to have so many new parts and having to integrate all these new players into the system and that and six games into it, and they've got three quality losses, I would say, out yeah. of their six games. I'm I'm gonna say that this is going they're gonna make a, a splash in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I'm not gonna pin this all on one gal, right? But in that game against Norfolk State, Abby only had two points, and that's mm-hmm. a huge difference in scoring, right? They only right. put up 40-some points. Well, in this game against Duquesne, which was also a loss, 72 points, and she has 23 points. Mm-hmm. So it seems like if if Abby's hot, then the scoring is higher, obviously. Uh, Rashala Scott seems to just be scoring no matter what. So, uh, again, I can't just pin this all on Abby, but she's the catalyst for this offense. She's the yeah. point guard, and if she's hitting shots and, and and you know, going to get the double digits up in the teens, edging towards 20, it looks like Marshall's got a much, much better chance of winning than, uh, you know, if she's a little bit colder from the field. So, Davis and Elkins coming up. Uh, when is that? That's uh, Sunday. Sunday. Sunday at 1. Yeah. We'll have tickets, obviously. We really want folks to go to these games, man. I mean, just just go. We're giving you free tickets. And uh, I'm not trying to, th- again, throw. I've said not trying to throw shade a lot in this episode. But the house isn't packed, right? The, the cam is not packed for these games. So if you go, it's general admission. You just need a ticket to get in. We got the tickets. You can sit close. You can be right at, up on top of the action. Or if you prefer to be away from the action and sit alone and just kind of do your own thing, you'll probably be able to do that too. We just want to get some fan support for this team because we think during the Sun Belt uh, Conference, this team will be battle-tested. Their their record might not be blow you away, but they'll be battle-tested and ready to compete, and they could raise some eyebrows in this conference slate. And having people in the stands helps the, the, the team, you know, compete. We know that. We know that. So take advantage. Enter. Get some tickets. Go to the damn game. Keeping it with round ball, men's basketball, they beat Moorhead State like a drum on Saturday. <laughs> 83 to 59. And then a very good – now, listen, we have struggled uh, mightily, especially when we go down to Moorhead State. Yes, to that, we have. To that yes. gym. And uh, to me, this just shows <laughs> that this is a different team. And uh, we're not going to take that anymore. I love that. Beat them like a drum. <laughs> yeah. So Akron, who is always a really good team, and they made the uh, NCAA tournament last year. We beat them 68 to 57. It was a back and forth. You know, seems like we'd be up by a ton. At one point, we were up 21 to 7 and then 25 to 9. And then they would make a little bit of a run, 25-13, call a timeout, and then we kind of handle them. It got down a couple times to six, eight, you know, real close. And then we would just, with talent, pull away again. Um, One by 11 against a very good squad. Uh, Then our next game is the big one we talked about during the five things. we got Ohio at home this Saturday, and it's at 5 p.m. Go get a white herd shirt. If you don't have one, get ready to go to the game and take part in the whiteout. Download the freaking herd zone app, activate the herd lights feature and enter our contest tweet. So you might win some freaking tickets for free. We've got two seats in the upper bowl and they're on the aisle. We try to give us like a little extra leg room. We're trying yeah. to do it right here for you folks, man. Uh, let's go back and talk about some of the stats here from the yeah. um, Moorhead state and, and then the uh, Akron game. 
that game against Moorhead, excellent distribution of points, really. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of guys were in double. We had one, two, three, four, five guys in double digits, and Obuna had eight. So almost six guys in double digits. Um, that starting five, geez, Henlogden 14 points, 14 rebounds, Kerfman 10 points, Andy Taylor 19 points, Kenzie 15 points. Uh, both of those guys, uh, Taylor and Kenzie, over uh, 50% from the floor. I mean, in the game, the herd shot 54%, just 30% from three-point, though. So that's nice to know that this team doesn't exclusively live and die by the three-point uh, shot this year. I mean, it's always going to be a big part of the game, but, you know, to be able to just live on normal field goals is pretty nice, too. Uh, and then against Akron, a little bit more concentrated of the scoring. Uh, Kerfman, Taylor, and Kenzie account for double-digit scoring. Jacob Connor has nine, so he is right there. Uh, 15 for Kerfman on uh, five of 11 from three-point range. Andy Taylor had 16 in that one, and Kenzie, nine of, nine of 18 from the floor for 21 points. Um, 41% shooting for the herd against Akron from the floor overall, and still just under that 30% mark from three against a really good Akron team who's kind of struggling to figure it out. They're still a good team, but they're three and four on this young season. The herd is freaking streaking, Russ. Six straight wins after a what was it, one point loss? One, one point one loss point. to a to a team that, as I mentioned, everyone said, well, it's their first D one game. I think that contributed to the to the sure it thing. Did. you know it was on it was on their home court first time ever doing this and it's a senior led five uh fifth year players they have a bunch of them so we we are really close to have beaten a couple of good squads uh and being undefeated this year yeah it, and let's what i've seen is that queens uh team has been listed several times all over the place with various outlets as a really surprisingly good team. Yeah. So it's not like it was, they strung together one good game and now they're just sucking the world, uh, like sucking terribly. They're a surprising team across a lot of national media outlets. Yep. So this is not an embarrassing loss. It's one that Marshall probably shouldn't have lost, mm -hmm. but it's not one that you go great. You know, we can't even beat this startup yeah. program no they're really good and they're raising a lot of eyebrows around the country i tell you what's been a very good pleasant surprise was uh hand logton as a starter uh rebounding block shots he is an absolute presence down low we have needed that on the defensive end uh mm -hmm. but uh he has the ability he was six for six from the field uh maybe two for three uh from the field in the uh last game he just, if he ever gets aggressive to the point where he becomes a, a scorer down there and looks to score, and this may be late in the season, it may be next year, it may be his junior year, I don't know. But already, he is a presence and something that was unexpected, at least by me. I thought that he would do well, but as a true freshman that, you know, it might take him some time, and then he might not have the minutes He's playing a lot of minutes. He had four fouls against Moorhead State and still put in 29 minutes. Yeah. And and he had six blocks, three on one possession in the game against Akron last night. So really good. Fricks and uh Connor, when they come in, uh again, all three of those are freshmen, with uh Fricks only playing in garbage time in two games last year because of the knee injury. So it's almost like the three of them are true freshmen, uh, getting some first real time. And they play a lot of minutes. 
we we're just we're doing great and Obana has not even been Obana except for like spurts of two games. Mm-hmm. When he comes on and we've got another block threat down low, we've got another uh, defensive threat down low, and a guy that can get rebounds in bunches, we're going to be a very big problem for people in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I think we are edging that way. Remember we yeah. talked about Marshall better come out of this out of conference because it's not that great. Yeah. And they're really – Proven. I mean, they could easily be seven and zero right now, and mm-hmm. probably raising a lot of eyebrows. But it's the one point loss that's keeping them under the radar. And I kind of like being there. I kind of like being under that radar because yeah. you're not getting all the pub. You're just winning games, and nobody's really paying attention to you until it's, you know, the time that they're going to tip off with you. And then they're like, "Well, shit, Marshall's six and one. What the hell happened here?" But look, let's let's real quick. Let me talk about this Ohio matchup coming in. Ohio's four and three on the season. The herd six and one. Both teams are on winning streaks. Ohio's won three straight. The Herd, of course, six straight. If you go look at the rundown of stats of what these teams are accomplishing this season, man, they're really close. Um, Marshall's just a couple of buckets better than Ohio on the season. Uh, the points against are almost even. I mean, less than a point. So these are really, really even teams. Field goal percentage is close. Rebounds per game is really close. The only place where we're really outpacing them in a big way is we're plus five in assists per game, plus about two and a half in blocks per game, and plus three-ish in steals per game. So those hustle-type plays and impact plays from a from a basketball standpoint, I guess you would say, Marshall's outpacing uh, the, the Bobcats a little bit in those areas, but scoring and defensive scoring and all that, I mean, it's really even. So Marshall's going to have to bring their A game. They're going to need every butt in a seat at the cam. It's going to need to be loud. You're going to have to be engaged and try to give these guys as much of an advantage as you can because this is a big one. I, I hope you have the opportunity, Russ, if you can, to be able to go because this would be a fun one to go to. I would like to. Uh, you know me and my life. I might not be able to. I'm going to try. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to say about the basketball squad is if you put a lot of uh, faith in Ken Palm's ratings on KenPalm.com, Akron, Akron and Marshall were neck and neck going into yeah. that game, and they fairly dominated that squad. Uh, they made a couple of runs, like I said, and a lot of that was when Henlogton was out with foul trouble and put him back in, and we just went back on runs again because they yeah. couldn't they couldn't try to – dominate down low when we went with a a four guard set Uh, so this is a good squad we have improved a lot before the preseason to now in Ken Palm's ratings I think that we have shot from like 180 to 105 out of 300 some teams Uh, we're in the top third so things are looking up and man it's going to be exciting uh, when we go up to Pittsburgh here uh next week i think oh is it dang i didn't even look that far ahead i think oh. um i think it's in the next week that we'll be heading up to pittsburgh so we may have ohio and then another game in there and it's next weekend but uh it's coming up soon what the heck wait a minute did i pick the wrong thing pittsburgh Queens, is it to play du- to play duquesne not oh i was not, gonna say not, not Pittsburgh itself. <laughs> Duquesne's like, in Did Pittsburgh. I miss that? <laughs> yeah, I know that. I was like, did I miss, how yeah. are we talking about this schedule being terrible when we got Pitt? No, no I'm ta- uh, I'm talking about the city, not the team. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> when yes, we head it, when we head to Pittsburgh to play Duquesne. <laughs> it's uh, it's the next game. It'll be Thursday, yeah. December the 8th, uh, yeah. playing Duquesne. Yeah. 
Uh, my, my bad. I thought I thought I got a heart attack on I that thought, one. I thought you knew what I was talking about, but um, <laughs> I didn't say what I was talking about. So <laughs> yeah, you, I'll get it right next time. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. That's all we got for around the herd. Um, so if you got any final words, let's have them. Otherwise, take us out of here. Thanks to our sponsors. Uh, we love you guys. If you're uh, wanting to sponsor, like what we're doing here at Thundercast, reach out to us. Give us a DM. Uh, we'd love to have you and bring you on board. Yep. Uh, other than that, uh, if you see us around the camp, if you see us around the Joan, if you see us waiting to see what bowl game we're going to get and then celebrating, or if you see us going up to Pittsburgh to play Duquesne, not Pitt, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>